Hey, Brian. Hey, Rick. Shooter McGavin here on a Masters Weekend, day two. Wow. So I heard your From the Tips podcast is kind of badass. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of from the tips it is me your boy brian always joined by my fantastic co-host rick landis how we doing good buddy doing swell how about yourself i'm doing pretty okay i'm doing pretty okay uh, all things considered obviously with the tournament of champions and there being some real golf that was super fun we had one killer of a weekend with our murder mystery party oh yes we did rocked um i do want to ask you the condition of your living room carpet is it okay? Uh, if you're not looking for it, you can't tell. Oh, well, that's that's <laughs> pretty good when it comes to red wine on white carpet. Yeah, so. no, it definitely turned out better than could have. Um, thank God Phil's parents owned a winery, so yeah, he right. knew all the tricks. One of, one of my favorite things was the immediate action of everybody. Yeah. It was like, oh, God, red wine, white carpet, red wine, it's really white funny. carpet. It's really funny how, I mean, so everyone obviously doesn't know this, but uh, for Christmas, I got Gina a murder mystery party game. Uh, we had a bunch of our friends over and we did it. Uh, we were obviously drinking. It was a winery themed uh, murder mystery party. So it was supposed to take place in the winery. So we had wine. Uh, towards the end of the night, actually, uh, one of the glasses of red wine got spilled. And I'll tell you what. There's very few things that I've seen sober up every single person in a room quicker <laughs> than I saw that. And I appreciate that because people cared about my carpet. But <laughs> everyone just like immediately was like, all right, what do we do? And then everybody's just on it. Look, I mean, obviously when you there's nothing like a little bit more jarring than seeing almost a full glass of red wine. Yeah. Hit white carpet. There's yeah, nothing quite as jarring. It looked like blood. I was like, that's kind of gross, to be honest with you. It um, fit in with the murder mystery scene. It, it was did all part indeed. of the plan. And that was right before the end, too. You know, right so that, as we were about was, to figure everything out. That was incredibly climactic. Um, I'm excited for the next one that we're doing. That's going to be killer. Yeah, I feel like Phil can't have a crucial role where you need to pronounce stuff right. No, God, no. For everybody to know what's going on. There are two people that can't be hosts in our friend group, and that is Phil and Ellie. Because <laughs> they lose all reading function after a couple a couple of drinks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Phil mispronounced his la his fake la or his real last name, I guess, what, four different ways. And that was like the last clue that we were supposed to have. That's one of the biggest clues, too. Yeah, it literally was, yeah. You know, because that yeah. that gave that gave my character actually that gave my character extra um, motive motive to do the murdering. Yeah, which is, I mean, yeah, I did it. Okay, Papa Vito was in fact the murderer. It's fine. <laughs> I I claimed it. It's fine. Um, but yeah, we definitely had one killer of a weekend. It was super fun. Um, hopefully, you had a relaxing Sunday because I needed one. So uh, I don't think I did. I might. You know? I don't remember. I don't remember what I did on Sunday. It was to be honest with you, buddy. it was <laughs> twenty-four hours ago. I went to the gym. I think maybe watched some football. 
Uh, definitely watch football. Definitely watch football. But speaking of football, what happened today in sports history, Rick, buddy? What do we got? Honestly, what's on, what's on honestly, the uh, pretty boring day in sports history, if we're being completely honest. Um, it, it feels like we've gone from a fantasy football podcast slash golf podcast right. to, at this point, we might as well just be on the power play. Because all the interesting stuff is happening in in hockey at this point. It so is in January. nineteen in nineteen twenty on January tenth, uh, Montreal's Newsy Lalonde scored six goals to help them beat the Toronto Saint Patrick's fourteen to seven at Mount Royal Arena in Montreal. Combined twenty one goals is an NHL record. I was gonna say, you want to hit me with that score one more time? Fourteen to seven. Fourteen seven. You imagine putting up a seven spot and still getting doubled. Yeah, right. And not only did you put up seven, but you got dunked on. You didn't. You, you got doubled up at seven goals. That's wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just not okay. That's uh, crazy. You're yeah, and then athletes. And then I guess uh, the next one of the other big things uh, that I noticed on this list was in 1945, which sounds like a historic year. Did something important happen in 1945? 1945. I mean, I believe yeah. that's like a war or something. Like a, Second World War was going on at the time, I believe. Was it okay? I don't really know history, uh, but th- that kind of just made me think of it because apparently on January 10th, 1945, uh, no one was elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh uh, yes, it was the 1945 is when World War II ended. Okay, so I don't know why that means they didn't elect anyone into the Hall of Fame, but I mean things were probably a little bit, a little bit busy. Outside of baseball, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, some stuff was going on. Definitely, definitely. I'm looking at 1945 summarized here on Wikipedia. It's all about World War II. Yeah, okay. So 1945, pretty pretty busy uh, World War II year. I don't think the war ended until July. Yeah, July. So first half of the year, 1945, just all World War II. Mm-hmm. Which tracks. Also, not necessarily historic, but on January 10th, 2023, uh, DeMar Hamlin was released from the hospital. So shout out DeMar Hamlin um, for everybody that was paying attention to that. He was the Bills player that went into cardiac arrest on the field. He got released today. Uh, so looks like he's doing doing pretty good. They'll probably keep monitoring him, I'm assuming. Um, and I saw that the NFL and the NFLPA came to an agreement to pay him his entire contract, uh, which oh, wow, is pretty cool. Because nice. usually yeah. they wouldn't, usually they wouldn't pay you for an injury. Like if you well, got injured and couldn't play, they would like yeah. not pay you for it. But given the circumstances, they they came to an agreement to pay him his full his full contract, which is cool. Yeah, that and also you know he's only been in the league for two years, so he yeah. technically wouldn't be if he never played football again. Which who knows? Knock on wood, he might be able to. I'm not sure. But um, if he never played football again, he wouldn't be able to receive NFL pension payments because mm-hmm. he wasn't in the league for six plus years. So yeah. that would kind of suck. So it's nice that they, you know, did him the respect of giving him the rest of his money because of what happened, which is incredibly unfortunate. And you can't yeah. just predict that, you know. Unfortunately, he's on a rookie contract, so it's not really going to help with the whole right getting a right. pension. But I'm sure he's not worried about that. I'm sure he's just happy to be alive at this point. And everybody everybody in the sports world is happy to hear that he's doing all right. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's, you know, has 
all feeling his limbs. He's able to breathe on his own. He's walking out of the hospital. That's a win. is crazy because he did have, you know, cardiac arrest and was not um, conscious on the yeah. field. So, and honestly, like it sounds like, like obviously this is secondary to him being healthy. But as far as money's concerned, like his the rest of his rookie contract even was three point six four million dollars, I believe. Like, right, that's plenty of money to make it through a good amount of years, if not the rest of your life, if you're just living at a comfortable pace and not overspending and stuff like that. So even if he ends up not being able to play football again, which honestly I don't think he should after something like this, same with Tua, but Miami's medical staff is the dumbest group of people of all time. That's a whole different story. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, when it really comes down to it, whether he plays football again or not, it's kind of one of those things where, do you know if this is an ongoing issue? Like, is this just a one-off and you could go back to playing football or is this something that you're going to have to deal with pretty much perpetually through the rest of your life? I feel like that's going to be, a big uh, idea there, but I think one yeah. of the biggest takeaways and it's unfortunate, the cause don't get me wrong. The cause sucks, but how quickly the, like everyone came together to like support him, mm-hmm. the league, the teams involved, the players that were on the field, the medical staff that handled the situation. The fact that I think they raised over like, like fans raised over like $3 million for his actually. Uh, yeah. So actually, <clears throat> so what he did was when he was at Pitt is last year at Pitt, he started a toy drive and he started a GoFundMe for the toy drive with a goal of $2,500, I believe is what it was. After his injury, like after everything happened, um, people were donating, uh, players were donating. I saw Gronk donated $6,900, which is hilarious. That's um, very Gronk. Gronk is Gronk's the best. <laughs> um, but like, I, it probably changed a little bit, but like when they were at the 3 million mark that you're talking about, they were saying that no one had donated over $1,000, which means there was a lot of people donating money, which is awesome to see. Um, last I heard, it was over eight or nine million. Um, so, a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel there. Um, yeah. And obviously yeah. hoping that he stays healthy and doesn't have any any further issues down the road. But only I mean, time's going to tell with that. That's what I'm talking about, though. It's It's really cool to see kind of the collective of people, NFL fans, teams – staff mm. um large corporations kind of come together to be in support of him his family his associations yeah. things like that this is the kind of stuff that you don't see every day in the world because people suck so yeah and like you said the situation you know, like you said the situation not great as to right why we're getting this but it just goes to show why we love sports mm-hmm. why people are attracted to sports because it's a community whether you're a fan of the team or not you see something like this, you support them. Like, it's just it's just how we are, like, how you have to be as a human being. Um, you just have to feel for other guys. And, like, I heard a lot of people saying, and I totally agree with it, situations like this, as terrifying as they are and as bad that it is that we need to have this as a reminder, these guys are people, too. Like, we think of these people as superhumans who nothing is ever going to happen to. Right. And, and things like this happen, and then it's like, oh, crap. Um they're not invincible. And I have, I, f- I feel like a lot of people tend to think that like professional athletes are like invincible because of how in shape they are and stuff like that. And like, this just goes yeah, to show yeah. that you're not. Um, and again, just reminds us that these guys are people. So when you're sitting on your couch yelling at the TV because someone dropped a pass, just remember that they're people too. 
it's not like they're not robots out there they're still people yeah. and if you were out in their shoes you would be doing significantly worse so oh, yeah. sit back oh. down and drink your beer <laughs> for, for example just golf in general if, oh yeah if you're, if you're seeing somebody stare down a six foot put, uh, birdie putt and miss you don't talk shit because you're yeah. missing it every time yeah at least 80 percent of the time probably <laughs> oh yeah i i think like the rate for like amateurs like outside of three feet like plummets to like 12 percent make probably or something less it's that sounds like a realistic insane. number because <laughs> it drops for like pga tour pros but that they drops to like oh yeah 50 or 40 <laughs> you know why like that. you know why because of gimmies <laughs> now don't get me wrong i'm a huge proponent of gimmies big proponent when you're in a gimmies. casual setting but that is 100 percent the reason why people can't make putts outside of that because it's true it's true because of gimmies i mean i mean it's it's a big proponent as to why three footers seem hard mm-hmm. i think sometimes it's because of the gimmies like if you just came off around with you and your friends and you yeah. did gimmies inside three feet and then you go the next day and play with people who aren't really your friends and yeah. you're actually kind of competing so you have to hole every putt yeah you got a three footer slides left to right Mm, yeah exactly i don't know <laughs> you got to be able to hit the short ones to hit the long ones and how many times have you just gone out on the course or on the on the practice putting green and just immediately started trying to hit 20 foot bombs yep every time every time every, so it's like yeah. <laughs> it's like no wonder these numbers drop because everybody's stupid but we're yeah. having fun and that's what matters <laughs> and everyone's always like no i'm just trying to get a feel just trying to get a feel for how fast a feel for the speed <laughs> Look, for, for me, I'm just being realistic. I know I'm not getting close to it. I'm just hitting the green, knowing full well I'm going to be 20 feet away. So really, this is more practical practice for myself. <laughs> you know, um, you know who, who wasn't struggling uh, to get close to pins and hit greens and so on and so forth? Everyone, almost, at the Century <laughs> Tournament of Champions, but specifically John Rahm. Oh, my goodness. What a Sunday John Rom had. A 10-under yeah, Sunday. What was that? I said, what a finish. I mean, what a, I, you couldn't – I mean, obviously, first day 64, start off hot. You're probably going to be in the top 10 now, right? Yeah. Maybe don't coast by any means, but you are you put yourself in a good spot. 71 yeah. Friday, eh, you definitely could have done better, but, you know, you're still in the thick of things. 67 Saturday, you're good. You're in the top 10. Mm-hmm. You're cruising. You're at that point, I believe he was seven shots down from Colin Morikawa. You're probably not making it to the to the to the first. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you'll get close. Maybe we'll get top three. That'd be cool. Have a good day. Sounds good to me, right? Nope. Yeah. John Rahm saw that as a challenge, and he took it personally. Um, <laughs> as he decides to, after uh, bogeying the first hole, goes on a um, seven shot swing where he goes three straight birdies and an eagle, while Colin Morikawa in that same stretch, two groups behind him, made three straight bogeys on holes the rest of the field collectively uh, played in 44 under par. So on some of the easiest holes on the course, Colin Morikawa folded. Folded like a lawn chair. Um, That's tough. For Colin Morikawa, especially coming off the year he just had where it wasn't super hot, yeah, it wasn't exactly what we're like used this? to from him. Um, little fun fact, uh, that actually makes him the uh, 
Uh, the ninth player to lose a six-shot lead going into the final round. In PGA not history. the stat you want. No, no. Especially a single-digit stat. You're not even like the 10th. Yeah. No, you're, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's tough. Um, so if you're Colin Morikawa, right, you come off this, you looked like you were set going into Sunday, right? Yeah. You were in first. You had momentum on your side. You had a damn good three days beforehand. You started off 64, 66, 65. Yeah. You were under 67 the entire tournament. You were set 72 on Sunday. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I mean, we know the conditions are never great in Hawaii. It is Hawaii. Um, it's always right. a little bit windy. And if you haven't played in that kind of condition in a while, which I'm more cow is a Cali boy. So I, I would assume he would have some practice in the wind, at least You'd it gets pretty think. windy out there, but I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just the, the early season jitters. Maybe it's just, he needs to get kind of into his groove. Um, as much of a negative as it is that he gave up the lead, he still got second. I mean, it, if anything, being the kind of golfer that Morikawa is, I would expect him to use this as fuel for the rest of the season. Because this, like we said repeatedly now, that this is kind of the start of the season mm-hmm. in a way, even though it's technically not. Right. But this is when all the big names start to come back. Um, we start to see some actual competitive golf that people want to watch. And Colin knows that and knows that he blew this lead on national television. And being the competitor that he is and the having the will and the want to win like he does, I only see him using it as fuel going forward. Um, it stinks that it happened to him because you're obviously losing out on a lot of money. You're losing out a lot of FedEx Cup points, all that stuff. Um, but honestly, I think it's going to be better for him in the long run because, right. like we said, he didn't have a great season last year. But to see that he had the lead going into Sunday, and we know – a Sunday lead is almost impossible to keep. Like obviously Tiger did it better than anybody. No one else really does it that great though. It's really tough to keep that, that 54 hole lead yeah. going through an entire Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's going to, I think he's going to come back stronger from this. Honestly, 25 under through the weekend is still a really good score. Um, and oh, yeah. Rom just Rom played his butt off too. Like that's the thing. Like, it's not like Colin played horribly. He shot mm-hmm. one under, which obviously isn't going to be enough to win on a Sunday. But John Rob shot 10 under. Like, yeah. that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough look for Colin. But uh, definitely props to John Rom for John Rom for how well he played. Yeah, when Mor- when Morikawa was talking about it, he said, and we're quoting here, he still shot 63. He definitely made the birdies when he needed to, but I also made bogeys. When you're getting bogeys at that time of the tournament, they're costly. I definitely felt the weight of that. And it's a good point, though. Dude still shot a 63 on Sunday. Yeah. That's that's just hard to do. But I, the more that you kind of look at, like, specifically how last season went for Morikow and did not win last year, uh, however, had two second-place finishes and uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine top ten. So not a great year. But not a bad year, right? You're still yeah. in the thick of things for most of your season there. This was only his fifth start of the 2023 season. So far, uh, he's gone T45, T29, T15, 6-2. You're moving in the right direction. Yeah, right? definitely. Um, and you're getting hot at the time where you need to because everybody's back. So, you know, 
all things considered, not a bad performance from Colin Morikawa. Definitely should have capitalized a little bit, a little bit more on Sunday. But trying to compete with a 10 under John Rahm, who just didn't seem like he was missing all day, a little tough. little tough, you know? And also, yeah. let's not forget, you know, Colin Morikawa still shot 25 under on a weekend. Yeah. 25 under um, usually wins you tournaments. Usually. Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> usually good enough. Um, so just keep doing that, and you're good. I got a question real quick. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to do with the tournament, um, but it is golf-related. So at least I'm keeping that going. Love do that. you use the PGA Tour app at all? I do. Have you used the updated version of it? Yeah. I, I How do you feel nice. about it? I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I'm looking around on it right now. I, ha- I didn't really get too much of a chance to look at it. Um, I love the highlights on the homepage. That's mm-hmm. pretty sick. Mm-hmm. And then did you go, like, if you go on the leaderboard, you can literally see everybody's every single hole. That's so if you, go, if you go, if you go and click on a player. Right. And then click on, um, what is it? It'll say view shot details. Everybody can follow oh. along with this as you're listening. Um, you it'll take you to at least their latest round, and it, you can literally scroll through every single hole and see the distances that they hit and where they hit the ball. And then it'll tell you the par, the yards, and what they scored on that hole. Would you, do, would you just look at that? So, I mean, it's pretty cool in general. I think it's also a really good tool for amateur golfers because you can see – how professional golfers play the kind of things that like, obviously they're going to be having a little bit more of an extreme, but like, if you go to like um, a par five, for mm-hmm. example, like if we go to hole five on round right. four for Colin Morikow, I'm on right now. All right. He I, have, shoots I, have John, I have John Rom. So this is good. Okay. Let me, let me go to John Rom. So we're on the same page. Well, no, I mean, if you, if you sit on Colin Morikow, we can, so for John Rom for hole five here, he, Hit his tee shot 303, obviously incredible thing to do. Um, onto the right side, which set up for this hole, maybe not what you really want to do. But as you can tell by him being a professional, his second shot was able to get over the trees and just yeah. be right off the green in order for him to chip on and putt in for, for a birdie. Yeah, and I think this is a great tool for amateur golfers because you can interpret it like, Look, John Rom shot his first shot 303. Where does your drive usually go? Probably like 250 to 270 is where a lot of amateur golfers are at. Mm-hmm. So if you're going there, you're obviously not going to be able to take the same line that a professional golfer is taking. So you're probably going to have to go a little bit more to the left. Again, you're going to have a longer shot over trees, so you're probably going to have to go around it. I think it's a good way for people to get kind of a perspective on right. where we should really realistically be hitting our shots um, as amateur golfers. So if you don't use the PGA Tour app, I highly recommend it because it used to suck and now it's pretty cool. Right. And this is the kind of thing where like what you're seeing there is what their caddies write in those cards that they take mm-hmm. around. It's like, we're probably going to shoot it here about 90% of the time. I know given the wind, given the yards, given the uphill, downhill, whatever you want to call it, what club we need to get to this point that we're trying to get to. Or on a really windy day, I know that this club will get us over to this point where it's a bit safer if we feel like we need to take the safe route. That's why, you know, caddies and players do the days before the tournament and write this kind of stuff out for things like that. <clears throat> go go to Torcast real quick. All right, hold on. 
Tor cast, you say? Yeah, it's on the same thing. So it's like on the player page? So right next to where you went to the other thing? Right. It'll say view Torcast. Okay. It'll show you what they have on TV, where the ball goes. And it'll show you the video from the show, from the, from the round of them hitting that shot. Just go watch, just go watch one of John Rams right now. PGA tour, have yourself an application boys. We, we talk about the PGA. Look at this consistently losing and then taking a few steps forward. I would say this is like a good few steps forward. This is a solid in becoming in w. becoming better and more interesting. Like this is an app that people who are interested in in golfing and who are amateur golfers are gonna love because they can see. Like you basically just go rewatch your favorite player's entire round. That's so cool. That's a huge win for the PGA Tour, and it gives you spin rate, ball speed, where the location of the shot went. The to hole where he it was literally at that, shows at that you the time. video of the shot. Like that's awesome. Golly. Yeah, this Shout is out. a really good example of a, a W for the PGA tour. Oh yeah, huge W for the PGA <laughs> tour. I knew Don't that they get updated those often, the app. So shout out. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Um, I knew they updated the app, but I didn't know that it was that well done. I know. I'm you gonna know? have to go through after we get off and like actually look at it a little bit more because I feel like we're going to have a lot more stuff to talk about. Clearly. Um, yeah. A couple more takeaways from the century um, tournament champions here. Uh, have yourself a, uh, a tournament there. Max Homa and Tom Kim Homa uh, T3 Tom Kim T5 two guys that you're not really expecting to see most of the time in your top 10. However, they now occupy Tom Kim now occupies first overall in FedEx Cup points, and Max Homa fifth overall in FedEx Cup points. Not too shabby. Perfect examples of what we were talking about plenty of times in the last couple months. Capitalize on these early season tournaments, put yourself in a good spot. Mm-hmm. You play well in these tournaments, but Max Homa is in fifth. Tom Kim is in first place. Yeah, I didn't know who this dude was until the um, until the Presidents Cup. No one did. So this is the kind of stuff we're talking about here, guys. This is this is the type of stuff that's fun for everybody to watch, I think. Um, also, shout out Tony Finau, T7. Have yourself a beginning of the year, big man. Come on now. Uh, moves into ninth in the FedEx Cup points. Um, but as far as takeaways from the, the Tournament of Champions, beautiful course. Hawaii oh. weather, always going to play a factor. Always mm-hmm. be ready for that. And uh, also... John Rom, John Ramen, and that's kind of where I want to. <laughs> I just said, I just said John Ramen. That's good. That's good. That, <laughs> that could be a, that could be a title. That could be a title. John Ramen. Um, John okay. Ramen. I feel like we got to talk about John Rom a little bit here because obviously, in his last six starts, second, first, fourth, first, eighth, first, top ten every time with three wins. Yeah, top ten every time bad. with three Ws. Is John Rom back? <clears throat> That's tough. And like statistically, yes. But the funny thing is, like, he's not being talked about like he's back. Right. Like he's still not like he's not talked about like we were talking about Scotty last year when he was doing something similar, just 
more consecutively with his wins. Um, obviously, those are great stats. Right. And I think if he keeps it up for another week or two with a top 10, then, then he starts to be getting talked about more. But again, we were in the slow season, uh, the beginning of the season, I say in quotes, because it's not really the beginning of the season. No one cares about it. Um, so I think now that we're kind of in the starting to get into the flow and the full swing of the season, um, next week he'll get talked about a little more. If he gets another top 10, then the week after he'll get talked about even more and it'll just kind of build up. And then hopefully we can actually see him finish out a season. Right. Cause I feel like he plays really well sometimes at the beginning of seasons. Like the times we see him play well, plays really well at the beginning of the season. And then by the time the FedEx cup plays around cup comes around, he's just kind of fallen off, whether that be slowly or quickly, he's kind of just fallen off. Um, right. So hopefully, hopefully this is a good together. start to his season mm-hmm. that he can continue and finish the whole season. Yeah. Agreed there. Also a good point to bring up here. This is his going to be, that was his third start of the season going T4 T8 win so far in 2023. So obviously he's only coming off of three starts so far. So I don't think anybody's going to be talking about him too much. Um, and then also two of his three wins out of his last six starts were on the European tour. And that's no, that is no offense to the Euro tour, by the way, plenty of good players over there. I'm just saying, as far as us being a PGA tour podcast, there's something to bring up, but yeah. uh yeah, I mean, Hey, could he be back? Sure. Uh He said here when he was asked about it, quote, in my mind, I feel like since August, I've been the best player in the world. Now I recall another time where he said this, and then fell off the face of the planet. So maybe, John, maybe, just like a little bit, we stop saying that out loud, right? Yeah, a little bit of humility maybe might might go a little ways for you. (laughs) that internal. Hey, look, we always know him as the spicy Spaniard. He's going to show emotion. It's what he does. Wears his emotions on his sleeve. And I kind of like that about him. Sometimes, though, he's a bit of a douche. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... There's Not just certain problem. things that you can't say out loud without it being perceived a certain way. Precisely. And example A. Example A is saying, I've been the best since August. First and foremost, inaccurate. Roy McElroy just won $15 million because he was the best. <laughs> Where were you, sir? Not winning $15 million. I don't know what to tell you. Um, also, are you number one in the world? You're not, you're not. Okay. So I like guys having that kind of tenacity to their game, little chip on their shoulder, like going out there being like, no, 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 I'm the best. I'm going to play like it. Keep that internal though. A little bit, a little bit of human, like keep it humble. Yeah. Keep that to the chest. I don't know. Might just be a me thing. I know there's a lot of people out there that really like the way John Rom is and how he plays. And that's fine. Totally respect it. He did just win a tournament and win $2.7 million. I'm never going to see that kind of money in my life. So it is what it is. Hey, hey, you don't know that. It's a good point. I could get Maybe lucky. you will. Who knows? Maybe you'll trip in the into a sewer drain at some point and just come across it. Hey, if, I, if I see one of those manhole covers and it's not on there, yeet. Yeah, I'm gonna be Mario. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> down, like going down the pipe. This 
<laughs> that's terrible. Don't do that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Don't do that. Shit. Unless it's uncovered, then do it. Unless it's uncovered and you need some money, okay? <laughs> Unless it's uncovered and you want $2.7 million, then do it. Sue the hell out of them as far as I'm concerned. Um, all right, to, to move forward past the century of champion um, champions, the century of champions, the century <laughs> tournament of champions, uh, it is a new year, thusly meaning there's new gear in this little fun segment I called New Year, New Gear. Worked really hard on that one, folks. You ever, that guy, you ever see that guy on TikTok who like he does like the the food things that people that people uh people put the weird food things? No, I'll have to send you one of the videos. You sounded exactly like him there for a second. Oh, uh, it's like people do like people do like this like super weird recipes, and he'll just be like watching it, and it'll be like. What the heck is this? And then oh like, yeah, wait, no, I have seen this. Yep. Yeah, you sounded yep. exactly like him there for a second. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Someone told uh, apparently uh, at work the other day, it sounded like uh, Jerry Seinfeld, oh. which is uh, you know, I feel like I've probably had some tendencies to do so. You know, That's have you crazy. thought about getting into doing impersonations? Yeah, no, and and the, the problem is, is when I when I do sound like somebody else or have some sort of impersonation it's not on purpose because when it is on purpose i'm never getting it right sounds nothing like the person so who knows and maybe i maybe i could be a jerry seinfeld i don't know what is it called cosplaying who cosplays jerry seinfeld uh, no i don't think it's cosplaying i don't think you want to dress up as jerry seinfeld <laughs> I don't, hey man i don't know those fits from the 90s <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what. Uh, anyways, new year, new gear. That's right, folks. Uh, it is the beginning of 2023, and as always, it's kind of like this. Um, it's not really talked about much, but it's something that's palpable if you like talk to PGA Tour pros or any golf pros. Really, when you show up to like the first tournaments in the new year, you're looking around, you're looking at bags, you're like, okay, so he got that signing. Good for him. I didn't know that you were decked out in Nike. Right on, Tom Kim, for example. <laughs> Full Nike athlete now was not a Nike athlete in 2022. Had no Nike gear on his body for the President's Cup. Here he is, full Nike regalia. Good for him. Good for him. That's what I'm saying, right? Uh, so to start, obviously, I kind of want to start with the Callaway kid himself, John Rom. After getting a dub, using Callaway's newest equipment, the Paradigm set of driver and um, and long long woods. Um, <clears throat> He enjoyed the uh, the Rogue STs last season as he was the, um, I think he had the longest uh, driver total for the season. Um, spent no time getting getting used to the Paradigm driver in Fairway Woods, though, as he was pretty, pretty astounding out of the tee box uh, this weekend, especially on Sunday. Um, just making 300 look easy and effortless at every turn. Um, but I mean, obviously, when it comes to to the Rom situation, I want to ask you: Do you think this is more of a scenario of John Rom just being a good golfer, a damn good golfer, arguably one of the best in the world, or is this equipment? Honestly, mm-hmm. I never used to think the equipment really mattered that much, and I'm gonna bring it up again until yep, talking about it again, folks. Until <laughs> a few weeks ago, when I played with the Sim Twos, like. It, it does. It just feels different when you have the right equipment. Um, like, I can't imagine 
how good it would feel to golf with clubs that were fitted to you. Uh-huh. Like, could you imagine how good that would feel? And that's um, all these guys golf with, man. Exactly. They got, that's they what got the numbers. Um, yeah. And if you've ever felt like a newer driver, they're so light and they're mm-hmm. so easy to swing and move. And you just, you wonder how it doesn't snap when you swing it. Carbon fiber, just doesn't man, that stuff is strong and light. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does. It feels, it feels so different when you use the new equipment. I don't know how they do it. Uh, I don't know if I want to know how they do it, but it just makes it easy. And part of it obviously is the fact that he's a good golfer. He's a professional. He's going to be good with pretty much anything. Right. Um, it probably does just add a few yards though, when it comes to the distances. Sure. I mean, especially for a pro, it probably doesn't help too much. Um, but definitely if you're feeling confident with it and clearly Rom has found success with Callaway and the stuff that, you know, he's been working with from the, the rogue set last year to this yeah. paradigm set this year. But also, you know, one of the things that you kind of take away from the, the gear stuff is how impactful is it to the field in its entirety? So for example, here, some more gear updates, Tyler sweeps for the 29th time since 2019 in every major category in a tournament. So that's ball, um, driver, woods, hybrids, irons, and putter. Full. Sweep. What does it mean? Sweeps like majority. Yeah. So the numbers from those clubs, Titleist had the best numbers throughout the. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um. So full clean sweep by Titleist for the 29th time since 2019, which is incredible. That is. What you think about it? A full sweep, yeah. Yep. If it was just like half of them, then it's like not quite as impressive. But like the fact that it's a full sweep is very impressive. Yeah, and like it's crazy to me because you like, especially like being an amateur golfer, you you basically never hear of anybody using Titleist stuff because those are pretty much made for professionals. They are not meant for you know your amateurs like the rest of us and people who have sixty dollars to throw around on a box of balls, which I yeah. do not have. No, nobody has that kind of money. No one's like, ah, yes, these Pro V1s will very much help my game at $60. By the way, folks, Pro V1s do not help an amateur. In fact, it it hinders you at every turn. They are that's why for... you use top flights. Yes, that's, that's why you use <laughs> balls that are meant for low spin. If you're an amateur like the rest of us and you're not shaping shots because you don't even know if you're going to hit it pure – do not use a Titleist Pro V1. Do not do it. Because those things are supposed to be spinny for people that shape shots, which we don't do, folks. Okay? Just it's like bowling. Right now. <clears throat> it's like bowling. If you don't know how to spin a bowling ball, don't try to spin a bowling ball. You'll probably break your wrist. Precisely. If you don't know how to shape a golf shot, don't use a Pro V1 because you'll probably lose it in the woods. Uh-huh. Don't do it, folks. Don't do it. Uh, yeah, so the out of the 39 players in the field this last weekend, 28 of them used a Pro V1 or a Pro V1X, and 17 of the top 20 finishers used a Titleist, which was Will Zalatoris, Victor Hovland, Sung JM, each put the latest model uh, in their uh, bag for the first time. A lot of them used the Titleist TSR driver, which is, you know, right after they released the original TS um, two years ago, I believe, was pretty much voted amongst players the best driver of on tour. 
Um, again, I'm going to reiterate this. Do not spend a thousand plus dollars on the TS set of clubs or the TSR driver. It is not going to help you. Those are meant for professionals. Okay. Or very do low not handicaps. do this to yourself, folks. Or very, very low handicaps. Or very low handicaps. And when I say very low handicaps, I mean you're either scratch or you're almost scratch. These clubs will not help you if you're not close to that. Trust me. Okay. The amount of times I've heard stories of people buying blades or getting the newest Titleist stuff or buying a, like a $700, $800 Scotty Cameron putter, you you still putt like shit. You're not <laughs> getting help. The, so, so here's my opinion on that. Um, the putter is the one thing that I feel like does not help no matter how much money you spend on it. Because yeah. I've used a putter that was $5 and I've used a putter that I spent $160 on. Depending on the day is depending on which one I'm hitting better. Yeah. Now, when it comes to drivers and stuff, they do have enough technology that it will make it a little bit better for you, but not enough that you need to go spend $1,000. Get get two years ago's model of your favorite brand rather than the brand new one. If you're a fan of TaylorMade, go get an original Sim. Don't get a Stealth. Mm Mm-hmm. And don't get the Sim 2 because those are still expensive right now. Yes, just like, go get the original Sim. Like two models down from, from what they're at right now is going to be cheap enough for you. And it's going to do you just as well as the really expensive one because you stink at golf. Exactly. And also, like the more you think about it, the more it makes sense that these guys are obviously going to use different equipment than amateurs because mm-hmm. they're different than amateurs. Yeah. They're actually good, folks. So just remember that um, <laughs> Patrick Cantlay, funny enough, even though Titleist did do a full sweep, Patrick Cantlay leaving Titleist as his main club um, company and uh, going to decide to just be in free agency. He still is keeping a couple of Titleist stuff in his bag, but right now he's not committed to one company. So he's able to kind of mix and match his bag a little bit, much like we saw Brooks Kepka do for most of his career. Mm-hmm. I love when people do that. I think it's so cool. Um, I think it opens up the game because for everybody. It it does because like I have like I have a lot of TaylorMade in my bag. My driver is Callaway though, and I like my driver. My wedges are all over the place. Um, but like my favorite my favorite driver that I've had was Callaway, and my favorite irons that I've had are TaylorMade, and my favorite mm-hmm. putter that I've had is also TaylorMade. But that's because I spent a lot of money on that. Right. Um, like I don't think that people should need to use the same the same equipment um, because I think everything gives you a bit of a different feel. Um, I get it with the sponsorships and everything like that, but it always makes me really happy to see these people that are like, you know what? I like this iron, but I hate this company's driver. So I'm going to just not use that driver. Right. And I think there's a lot of people out there that like, especially amateurs, people like us that are very committed specifically to a brand. And now if that brand is like the most likely brand to help you in your game, then sure, get all their stuff. But play the field, folks. You don't always need every single thing that is that brand. Okay? Like a lot of different brands have better drivers or better woods and hybrids. Some are better at irons, you know, like, for example, I think Callaway excels in the driver and wood area 
where TaylorMade excels in the irons, irons area, yeah. you know? So, you know, that's it, it, mixing and matching at the amateur level is what you should be doing to help your game. Um, mm-hmm. But also it benefits the pros. Uh, Patrick Cantley, when asked about it, said, quote, for me, I want to play with the best equipment out there. If I think it's going to be able to help my golf, I'd like to be able to play it. Um, that maybe involves a little more testing than I'd like, but I'm going to tra- change my game to fit the equipment. Now, that's an interesting question, though, is, you know, how much of changing your game do you want to do to fit your equipment now that you're kind of a free agent? Who knows? I don't know yeah. if that's something that is really going to impact him all that much, but we'll find out. Yeah. I do have a um, question regarding um, regarding sponsorships. I don't know if you were done talking about that or not. No, no, go right um, ahead. Yeah. Um, so I got an update the other day from uh, one Tom Reed. Oh yeah. Who sent me a post that stated that Kirkland is now making an iron. No, here we go. So here's my question to you is when, if ever, do we have our first Kirkland sponsored golfer? Ooh. Being that being that it's been said that the Kirkland golf balls are basically Pro V ones, just cheaper. And the one putter is a Scotty Cameron. Do we ever see a Kirkland sponsored athlete? And if so, who do you think it would be? You want to know why I don't think that's going to be the case? Why? Is because of the, what basically what Costco has done for so many products. Is there a lot of big name products that didn't get patented, Right. They just assumed people wouldn't steal the recipe or the means to make it. And Costco goes, uh uh uh. You think too highly of us. <laughs> you, you didn't patent this. So, what we're going to do is we're going to steal it and wholesale it. So, we technically sell it cheaper, but we make the same amount of money off of it. Basically, this also means Kirkland's vodka, fun fact, is just the Grey Goose recipe. It's Grey Goose vodka for cheaper. Um, if we're talking specifically about golf, the KS1 putter is a Scotty Cameron. The Kirkland Signature Golf Ball is, a, I believe, a Pro V1 or a uh, AVX. I don't know which one they, they copied. Um, and their wedge set is just the Vokey wedges. The, the, the title is Vokey wedges. They're just, they're, just, they're just taking what is given to them by Titleist, the company, just not patenting their stuff. So if Titus is going to keep refusing to not patent their stuff because they think that just no one's going to steal it, and you know Kirkland's going to keep doing what Kirkland does. It's going to happen. Um, so do I ever think there's going to be a Kirkland athlete on tour? No. And that's the reason is because if it gets to that point where now there's a Kirkland athlete out there, then Titus is going to be like, okay, we have to step in now. We can't just, <laughs> we can't just let this happen. But is right? there proof that they've stolen their idea? I don't know if That's there's substantial the evidence. In. I think the biggest evidence was when they released the putter and it looked identical to the Scotty Cameron. I don't know, sure. like if, if you have the ability to go to Google right now, anybody that is, look up the KS1 putter. It I mean, it is shockingly identical to a Scotty Cameron. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is, and it's 160 bucks. You know what a Scotty Cameron putter goes for? Low end, 400 plus dollars. Yeah. And that's for like a used Scotty Cam. Mm-hmm. This comes out of the box new, 160 bucks. Absolutely ridiculous that they're just getting away with this because they can. No one is stopping them. 
because Titleist doesn't really care that much right now. If there were ever to be a Kirkland signed golfer on tour, then Titleist might have some problems. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think they would because right now Titleist has the name. Yep. And Kirkland they have the name, is still they have like, the name recognition. Yeah. They're yeah. on tour. You get it. But I think it would be funny though if someone tried to. Man, it would be so funny. Oh, <laughs> it would be so funny. But I don't think that's ever going to be in the future there for the PGA Tour myself. Um, keep talking about equipment here. The Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas using their putters from high school. Uh, apparently over the um, at the Tournament of Champions, they decided to throw it back. Uh, Jordan Spieth using his uh, from middle school, actually. Very sorry. And Justin Thomas using his from high school. Um, both keeping it with mallets and I believe both of them. Yeah. So both had the Scotty Cameron phantom T five prototype, um, which was very popular when I guess they were back in high school and, and middle school. It's a very classic, um, titleist Scotty Cameron, um, mallet putter, um, basically just one that looks a little bit older, but Hey, if that's what they're comfortable with, I'm all about it. Cause here's the thing about, putting is it's so feel oriented there's all there's there's not a whole lot of new technology you can put into putting that hasn't already been put in there like i feel like the weight the weight system is yeah i don't know maybe there is maybe there isn't i don't know anything about golf equipment uh i just swing and try to hit the ball it's really the extent of my knowledge of golf equipment i know the brands i know what clubs i need to use and that's about it Otherwise, I'm just trying to pit myself out on the course, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, to me, it feels like putting is always just so such feel. It's not. Oh, yeah. Thing. For me, like, it definitely is. You can't buy yourself a better putting game, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said this probably, I think, multiple times already on the podcast. My putter was the last putter that I thought I was going to want. I literally went through every single putter at the store. And then finally, it was like, you know what? Whatever. And it was the one that I liked the most because it felt the best. Like, it's right. literally all about feel and confidence which is which that's i feel like is. <laughs> obviously is golf in its entirety but like really when it comes to putting that's that's almost 100 percent what it needs to be mm-hmm. and hey if that means going back to middle school and high school putting good enough if that's what you mm-hmm. need to do um all right so to get away from new year new gear let's keep talking about the new year though here are some important dates for everybody to circle on their calendar for the year of 2023 Obviously, April 6th to 9th, we know what April means. That's the Masters, baby. Get your cheese sandwich out. Get your green jacket. Get your green and yellow gear. Everything that you're going to need. Sit down, watch the Masters. It's going to be beautiful. April, springtime, it's going to be lovely. Mm. It's just always such a nice time of year because you know the spring is here and like the summer is right there. It's so nice. Yep. Uh, July 6th to the 9th, the U.S. Women's Open. That's going to be at Liverpool Golf Club. Oh, Royal. <clears throat> Sorry. Pebble Beach Golf Club. I was reading the wrong one. Oh, excuse me. It's going to be the Pebble Beach Golf Links. Obviously, Pebble Beach, historic course. Duh. It's just oh. going to be an awesome time. Uh, the Open at Royal Liverpool Golf Club, uh, July 20th to the 23rd. Um, circle this one, folks, because I do believe Tiger's playing this one, and I think there's some chatter that uh, he might play really well at this course because he historically has. So, Also, we may or may not have the inside scoop on this tournament, um, so stay tuned for that 
because I may or may not know someone who's going to that tournament and plans on following Tiger. We do so have some connections we, going. We may be we may be redirecting you to uh, another page that we've mentioned before to check out some Tiger clips. Indeed, folks. Um, also, uh, this year the Solheim Cup, which is the female version of the Ryder Cup, that is September twenty second to the twenty fourth. And don't worry, if you really want more Ryder Cup action after the Solheim Cup, I get it, because the Ryder Cup is September 29th to October 1st. Back-to-back Ryder Cup scenarios, thank you. A United States full clean sweep in the span of two weeks, thank you. I'll have another. Um, All righty, here we go to close out the episode here. A good old look ahead, as we always do to the Sony Open in Hawaii. That's right. We're staying in Hawaii. It is the Hawaii Swing here on tour. Um, here a two-week we swing. Yeah, two weeks. Isn't it three? Isn't there, isn't there another one in Hawaii? Pretty sure it's just the, the two. Mm, you might be right, actually. Let me look. I don't know where to find mm. it on the new PGA Tour app. <clears throat> I haven't learned this much yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. It looks like... Uh... Oh, yeah. The... The next one's in California. But this one is in Hawaii, folks. So, Rick, as we always do, you know what it is. Top five, no specific order. Here we go for the Sony. All right. Corey Connors. Interesting. Um, Russell Henley. Tom Kim. Jordan Spieth. Brian Harmon. Fascinating names we got here. Um. Okay, well, if my memory serves me correctly, mm-hmm. Brian Harmon played pretty well here last year. So I'm going to put him at one. No. And then I'm going to go Jordan Spieth. Okay. I'm going to go Tom Kim. All right. Who was the other one besides Connors? Um, did you say Russell Henley yet? I didn't. So I'm going to go Connors and then Henley. <clears throat> no, no. Darn it. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't. Well, his last um, top 10, Brian Harmon's um, here was 2018. So I'm not sure. Uh, I thought he, I thought he did well last year. Maybe I'm thinking a different tournament. Maybe. Um, all right. But actually, uh, it goes Brian Harmon, five, Corey Connors, four, Jordan Spieth, three, Russell Henley, two, and Tom Kim, one. I'm Kim at the top. I like this Tom Kim love that we're showing here. Um, first overall in the FedEx Cup points. Let's see here. Uh, number five, Brian Harmon. Both fit and form are on point, so the lefty projects to end his drought without a top 30 at YLI since a T4 in 2018, which was the last of four in a row uh, now in his 12th appearance at YLI. Brian Harmon, you know, he has been playing better, been playing well. I just don't know if at this point in the season is when we're going to start seeing him in top 10. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he kind of missed his chance. A little bit. A little bit. But, you know, still, he was, I believe he was in the FedEx Cup last year. Uh, don't know how far he made it there, but I believe he was there. Um, number four, Corey Connors. Rarely, 
rarely relents, closed out a T18 at Kapalua with a weak best 67. So he's loose with momentum. Also four for four at YLI with a T3 in 2019 among three top 15s and a scoring average of 67.06. That's a damn good scoring average for a Hawaii course. That's oh, yeah. that's good stuff from the Canadian. I'll tell you what. Um, number three, Jordan Spieth. First appearance since missing the cut in 2019. Finished third in 2017 and T18 in 2018. But it'd be sure <clears throat> it'd be surprising if he never contended at YLI. Broke the seal at, of 2023 with a T13 at Kapalua. Look, Jordan Spieth's not super well known for how well he golfs in Hawaii. Um, more of a southern golfer type. Not like high winds definitely does not help Jordan Spieth's game. So yeah, he's I mean, waiting T- for Texas. Yeah, the T13 at Kapalua is really nice. I don't know how well he's going to do here, but if he's getting used to it, then, you know, maybe we might see him excel. Um, yeah. Interested to see how that works. Number two, Russell Henley celebrates the 10th anniversary of his breakthrough PGA Tour title at YLI, uh, clipped in a playoff by Hideki Matsuyama last year, warmed up with a T30 at Kapalua last week. So last year he was in a playoff, Russell Henley. So I do remember that. Have your Have yourself uh, time there. At YLI, I, I'm interested to see if he if it's a course thing, you know. Maybe I always I always wonder if we put too much stock in how well they did last time at a course. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. If it was like a one off, or if it's like they actually just do really well at that course, right? Like if it's just like, ooh, this course I'm just really good at, or if they were just playing well. I always wonder how much stock we put into that. But however, a guy that we cannot argue is hot right now, Tom Kim continues to leave us shaking our heads so it's within reason that he'll defy a historical trend in Kapalua debut he led field in strokes gain t to green and par five scoring in route to a t5 the legend of tom kim continues and i'm interested to see how far he's going to take this into the season right now first overall in fedex cup points and having one hell of a start to 2023 so interested yeah, to see how he plays here at the sony it would definitely be fun to see him in the top 10 going into the FedEx Cup playoffs this year. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm interested to see, like we were talking about Rom earlier. I'm interested to see if this is, uh, if he can keep this pace up, you know, if he, yeah. if he's a new guy on tour, if he can keep this pace throughout the rest of the year, interested to see that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but as always, thank you so much for listening folks. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at from the tips underscore pod and on Twitter at FTT underscore pod. You can go ahead and follow us on the, on both those social media platforms. That's where it'll be the best for you guys to get our content. Reach out to us. If you ever want to, we will answer your DMS folks. We are not shy at all. When it comes to that stuff in person. Sure. Don't come up to us in the grocery store, but you know, you can feel free to reach out to us on social media. (laughs) Um, But again, as always, thank you so much for listening, folks. We are so excited for a new 2023 season, and we out! Thanks, guys. See you later.